All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined today with Ben Standing from The Athletic, longtime favorite of the show. This is a post-game edition after the Hoyas just beat Seton Hall 81-75. Jamarco Pickett led five Hoyas in double figures with 20 points. Dante Harris had a great line for the freshman point guard, 14 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. Kudus Wahab had another double-double, 11 and 11, as the Hoyas snapped a four-game slide to Kevin Willard and the Pirates and they avenged an earlier loss from this season. I could keep reading stats for the next 20 minutes, but let's get it going with Ben here. What's up, Ben? Well, Bobby, first off, thanks for having me back. Uh, Like Pete Gillen, I have candy on the mind, but I'm ready to talk about uh, a Georgetown win. Hey, man, I always have candy on the line. And while I was on the Georgetown Zoom, which, by the way, was an incredible addition, a three-player podium game. We do not get that a lot, so that was pretty cool. I was handed a half-eaten pack of Sour Patch Kids. I don't think that – I got to be honest. I'm not the most discerning candy person. Like, I'll pretty much just shovel anything in my mouth that's handed to me. Not the biggest Sour Patch guy. Not really my my, my go-to, to be to be frank. You know that kind of that kind of stinks because I was just going to ask you if you had a theory on if there was a particular color that was more sour than the others earlier today it was brought to my attention that there's an unscientific poll that it's the blue ones. I just had a blue one. I really don't think that that's true, but apparently you're not going to have an opinion on this. I, but... I will say, but to, to to relate this back to Georgetown, I, you know, I don't remember what happened yesterday anymore. But aren't I right? Like back in the day when when the world was normal and uh, they had their and we would like after a practice like go up to the uh, uh, office up there. Like didn't like they had Max Carey or somebody have like candy like laying around all the time. Wasn't that like a thing? I don't. I I kind of remember bagels. I could be wrong. I feel <laughs> well, like I, there was a bagel I, Friday or something. I think that was in the mix also, but I feel like there was candy. I mean, my I'm looking at my gut. I think I'm right about that. Uh, I think there was candy up there, but uh, this, but yeah, I relate most things to food if you haven't figured it out by now. This has already taken a completely unexpected turn, which we appreciate and encourage on a Saturday night edition of Kente Corner. So I should mention Georgetown is up to 7-10. and 10. They're 5-7 and seven in the Big East. It's going to be a season in the Big East where – Every team doesn't play the same amount of games, so we're going to get, you know, percentage points is going to come into play when we determine the seeding for the Big East Tournament. It was a pretty bad loss for Seton Hall. They dropped a 13-9. They're 10-6. And And they played two games since Georgetown last played. They played last Sunday, and then they had a game during the week. They played Marquette and DePaul. And I'm not going to lie, even though they were on a four-game winning streak, those last two games against DePaul and Marquette did not look like things of beauty. Um, I was still a little, I think of my, my uh, casual prediction I had, I kind of, you know, I kind of towed the line on it. I, I predicted Seton Hall to win, but then I wrote, you know, it could go either way. And I had the score pretty close. I felt very confident about the over and I feel good about that. But uh, it was a big win for Georgetown. Like I said, four straight losses to Seton Hall. You never want to keep going in that direction. And kind of the way they've been happening is Seton Hall, in, even tonight, 
their big center uh, had five blocks last game. He had nine blocks last year. They had a center uh, Gill who had eight blocks. So they've been kind of pushing Georgetown around. So it was definitely, definitely a good win. And I think, I know you haven't had a chance to watch all their games because you're busy doing uh, Washington football stuff. The first loss to Seton Hall right before Christmas was probably their worst loss of the season. So to come back and to beat them, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite remarkable, you know, based on how the things went before they had this pause with the, uh, with, with the coronavirus, you know, obviously things weren't great. So now they've been playing better and you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, okay, well, this isn't their, this isn't their game. And there were points like particularly like sandwiching halftime today where Seton Hall was on a good run uh, before the first half. And then they started off hot, hot coming out. They're like, okay, well, maybe here it goes. And yeah, I mean, Georgetown's been really resilient. I, I don't know how, how you think about this, Bobby, in terms of real life, but it's amazing what confidence can do for somebody oh, <laughs> or, yeah. or in this case, the team. I mean, Jamarco Pickett in particular. You tweeted out appropriately that the guy who looks like who, who everybody thinks could get a two-way contract showed up today. Yeah, and and he kept that going. And and it's not just like you know making a jumper. Like you could go out there and hit a hit, hit an open eighteen-footer. I think it's the it's it's the attacking the basket and making the smart play and you know finishing you know and 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 one and 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 making the extra pass. But like it's just doing it in ways that you could just tell he's feeling good about himself. And, you know, it's, I've said this before on this podcast or other ones, like my favorite thing about college basketball typically is watching a guy evolve over four years to the point when he's been caught by the time he comes a senior, you know, he's a, he's a steady, reliable player. I mean, Jagan Mosley was like sort of the epitome of that. I wouldn't say Jamarco Pickett is the epitome of that because he's had sort of a slow, uh, evolution over time but obviously there have been times this year where he's looked the part and you know today you know he, he's looked the part a lot today he actually filled that role and uh you know sort of the team kind of fed off him i thought and uh it was really it was really good to see and yeah i mean give this team credit they've yeah I mean, resilience i mean and, and and just to i know i'm rambling it's not just like resilient just in, in the standard college basketball sense you know the world is crazy right now right this is tough for everybody and who knows what they're dealing with as kids, you know, they can't have their normal college life and, you know, whatever the restrictions are. And to be able to maintain that focus for multiple games now in a row after a bad start, I think is a sign, of, you know, a good sign as well. So, you know, kudos to them and, and Patrick Ewing and everybody for, you know, for now at least, you know, riding the ship and, and, and looking like a, a, a pretty good team. Was that the most so, positive I've ever been on this podcast? <laughs> hey, you know, in my preview, I said, look, they have to win their their last five games to finish with a winning record going into the Big East tournament. And I said how it's unlikely, but what you have to like about this group is that they had been in every game that they've played. And I think that that's not nothing. The only game where they kind of just got punched in the mouth and never got close was the first Seton Hall game. And now they have a win over Seton Hall. So, you know, they're seven and 10. It's a weird record. But between last year what Ewing did and between what they've done this year, I think, you know, I think it's definitely, it's definitely a positive. Can I let the people in on something really nerdy that we do? And I want to use it as a way of showing how unlikely this win would have been a couple weeks ago. Fire away. Okay. So we're in a very niche Georgetown fantasy game that I don't even understand the rules to all the time. Okay. 
basically we're picking, you know, who's going to have the most points and it's broken down into like sections of the season and you can only use players certain, certain amount of times, but then like it resets. I kind of have the gist of everything, but not totally. I just want to say right now, if this game had happened a couple weeks ago, if Blair gets three points, there's no chance this team would have would be able to beat anybody. And I mean like a low level, let alone a Seton Hall team that's been to four straight NCAA tournaments. They would have made it last year. You know, they're on the bubble this year. So basically Ben and I kind of just, it's like, okay, who is it today? Blair, Pickett, you can go to Wahab. And then it kind of gets dicey. It was like, you know, Harris or, you know, Belay. But the fact that, the leading score on the on the Hoyas, one of the top scorers in the league, gets three points, and Georgetown wins without too much sweating at the end. I think shows how this team has grown. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure if we go back to listen to to a podcast we did, you know, before the season started or, or early on, it was sort of like, well, other than Blair and Pickett, and admittedly, Pickett, you know, still was a you know some uh, an up and down player. You know who can you count on for sure? And even when the season started, you know, I mean, Belay was not a, was a non-factor. Dante Harris was, you know, essentially a non-factor. Um, you know, Wahab was still evolving to some degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, like you said, I mean, it, it it is it is a bunch of guys. I mean, I mentioned Pickett before. I mean, you know, if you want to broaden this out to the bigger picture aspect of this team, you know, Pickett and Blair are seniors, but Dante Harris is a freshman, and you know, uh, you know. I always feel like I have to qualify everything and say, hey, you know, let's not go crazy. But regardless, like, he played well. And, like, if you're looking forward – because I, I know when I've been on when, – when I was on earlier in the year, because, like you said, I, I took a break during the with, with the football season. Uh, but, but uh, you know, one of your points that you made a lot, which I, I think was right, was, you know, what is Patrick Ewing sort of doing? He's, like, playing to win each game, but he's not building something. Like what? Like the, he needs more guys. He needs guys who step up who will be here after this season. And you know maybe that's the case on still on some level. But you know Don, the fact that Dante Harris is is looking pretty good. He's been you know given a lot of responsibility as a, as a essentially as a freshman point guard. That, I mean that's a good sign going forward. I, I see somebody on Twitter is asking us something about Akinjo versus Harris, and that's a whole other thing, whatever. But like just the <laughs> fact that like there's some you know. That, that a guy like that is stepping up is good, not just for this kind of game, like you said, so, so they could win in a game where, where, where Javon Blair is not all that. But more importantly, bigger picture, he's, uh, you know, a guy that maybe now when you go into next year, you can say, okay, well, now you have this thing at the most important position, frankly. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Okay. So we can come back and I can ask you later if you think Pickett has a chance to be a pro, but let's kind of go into liked it, didn't like it. it can, this can be anything, Ben. This can be what Pete Gillen said. This can be what Georgetown did, what Seton Hall didn't do. I'll start out with my first liked it. <laughs> I think we were talking a little bit about Pete Gillen. I think he's pretty good. I, I, I think I think Gillen's pretty good. I think Lapis is pretty good. Um, a couple of his lines, you know, he always uses the line, you don't want to be the richest guy in the graveyard when you talk about saving timeouts, which I'm totally about. And then he mentioned that he he doesn't know where his oblique is, but his oblique is hurting him. And I always, maybe it's because when I started following Georgetown, he just, he handled the Hoyas a crushing loss. I thought that was a Georgetown team that go to the Final Four. Um, 1990s, Xavier beat, beat the Hoyas. He did a great job, Providence. I think he probably, 
I was very surprised it didn't do better at UVA. Maybe he was at UVA where, you know, it was just harder in the ACC at that point. Carolina was a bigger deal than maybe they are right now. But I like Pete Gillen on the call. I know that you were a little concerned about his health tonight. Well, I don't know about because of his health. I, I came in late, so I didn't know who was doing it. And I asked you who was on this, and you told me who it was. I was like, wow, okay, Pete Gillen sounds way older than I uh, was imagining <laughs> that, that Pete Gillen would sound. It's, I don't even know. I guess, you know, like I'm, I'm used to watching a lot of NBA uh, telecasts and the, or, or NFL also, I guess. And the person in that role, I'm not saying they're necessarily more refined. One, they tend to be younger, I guess. But two, yeah, they, they tend to be a little more, you know, polished, I guess. And Pete Gillen is just like firing off like, like sort of really random commentary. It's almost like he's more like on the couch watching the game than he is like trying to like spin a narrative or like over talk. And he just kind of said some random things. Um, yeah, it was fine. And like once, you know, you told me it was Pete Gillen because I have, uh, you know, like you have a familiarity, a history with him just from all his years of coaching. Uh, I appreciated that as somebody who doesn't watch college basketball, like he did. Sometimes there's somebody on, I'm like, Oh man, I don't even know who this person is. But in this case, that was interesting. Um, so yeah, he was he was he was fine. Like you, you mentioned, the graveyard joke or the graveyard line is pretty good. Uh, so so he was fine. I mean, I you know I, I'm I'm not going to uh, go, go overboard either way about about it. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was good to have somebody with with old school Big East ties uh, on, on the call uh, for sure. And then stick into something, I guess you know, actually relating to the players that played. Something I really liked was you know last game. Georgetown handled Mamu Kileshvili. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but Miles Kale went off for 30. Jared Roden had 26 um, from three-point land. They were combined eight for 16. Tonight, Roden had nine. Kale had eight. They were combined two for 10. Often the talk is about Georgetown's defense, and Seton Hall did score 75, but it seemed like it was a comfortable 75. Georgetown was in control most of the time. So I thought that their defensive performance was pretty big deal tonight. Georgetown, yeah. I mean, I thought they, uh, you know, uh, like I said, other than that sort of middle stretch of the game when Seton Hall started banging threes and getting open layups, I mean, Georgetown did a pretty good job of that, right? I mean, there were, yeah. you know, enough steals or blocks or just sort of, you know, picking up a charge, just sort of getting in in the way I'll leave this. There's any been sort of schematic change or whatever to you, or it's just guys are playing better. I mean, I don't necessarily know if this is connected to the defense directly, but you know, right. I'm right with, with, with Belay. Like he wasn't really, he wasn't really high in the rotation early on. Right. I mean, like you mentioned right. that game we play, like he yeah. wasn't somebody I was remotely considering um, for that. I think and at one still- point, I think at one point I might've like messaged the group and I was just like, Hey, when, when are you cowards going to take Belay? You know, because at that point, he wasn't even playing that much. Right. And it feels like, I don't know if it's exactly like, but it feels like since he started playing or soon thereafter is when it felt like things have started to to pick up for them. And he's been pretty reliable. I was thinking to myself, you know, we can play the whole what if world for Georgetown in, in so many ways. Obviously, they had all these guys leave last year. You know, what if, you know, even one or two of them stay. But like in this case, where you get a guy, you know, you know, we 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 hearken back to some of the you know previous Georgetown teams that had you know legitimate NCAA tournament aspirations, and you know you're talking about grad transfers that come in, and could you get somebody that who, who could 
who could help or whatever. And like this guy is, has been a big help. I mean, that when he goes up to shoot a three, I feel pretty confident it's going in. Um, you know, and, and he's making he, he he makes plays on the other end of the court. He had a really nice uh, sort of look away pass, I think, at one point, or like where I think he sort of like went up like he was going to uh, go for a shot, got the defender, you know, leave his feet and then fed somebody underneath. Uh, he he's been really good. So like I said, I don't I, I don't know if the timing is right that things have turned around when he's become more uh, evol- involved, but like it feels like he is. You know, he's evolved this to almost like the third guy, I guess, with those with Blair and Pickett to some degree. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think he's been he's been good. Uh, kudos to him for uh, you know for having a good for uh, you know for, for having a good year, even if he wasn't uh, kind of going in early on. Which you know, I, I would kind of wonder you, maybe you would know why wasn't he involved earlier on in the season? But whatever. Well, so I think that was a long way to getting to. I'm not going to ask you for your like because I think you just kind of turned it in. Your like is Belay, and you're absolutely right. He wasn't playing a whole lot when he was getting minutes, though. His usage rate, and it's still on Ken Palm. He has the highest usage rate of the team, so I think he's kind of you know grown into his role, stepping up from I want to say Northwestern State is in the Southland, so that's a pretty big leap to the Big East. He also got hurt right before the season started. I want to say he missed the first game. If not the first, it was the second game. Ewing had a pretty funny response to Ron a couple weeks ago after the pause. It was just like, wow, you know, what can you say about Belay? And Patrick was like, I've been wondering when this guy's going to show up. Like, dude, where have you been? You know, and there's also something that makes it on some of the telecasts. I think we've heard it. I don't know if we've heard it on a on like one of the availabilities, but we've heard it other places that <laughs> they thought maybe Belay was going to be taller than he was because they kind of just recruited him over film you know like it's not like they flew down there to check him out during the pandemic so his whole story is definitely kind of interesting and all these guys all these seniors you know this is the question leading up soon here is i asked blair the other day when i had him on the pod you know were you thinking about next year belay would be another guy hey do you want to play again do you want to work on your masters do you want another year of biggies basketball you know i don't know what his plans are i'm not sure the ages of these guys i think some of them are you know the 22 23 range um so they might want to move on with their life and see if they can get paid to play basketball but he'd be a very a very interesting player for next year if he were to if he were to stick around do you have anything that stuck out that you didn't like well i just just to go back to, to that point about the uh about what they're going to do, and I literally have no idea any of these guys' situation. Yeah, you know, one in general, if given the if given the opportunity to stay in college for another year, I think most people would do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, what I mean, like in in this in this circumstance, like you're not paying for college, like somebody's allowing you to stay in college for another year, and in this case, play basketball. Yeah, uh, and, and that's even more. That's not even factoring in a pandemic which is completely obviously messing with all of us. Who knows when it's really going to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, it's not, you know, if you're going to play basketball, let's just presume for some of these guys that have been going overseas, you know, I, you know, the, the world is odd now. So it, it seems like, like I generally would get the idea of, like you said, going and making money right off the bat, if that's conceivable, but maybe in this case, it makes some sense to, to not do that. Um, what did I like? I mean, obviously the turnovers are still pretty outrageous. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the final number was. Um, but I can tell you, know, you, it's eighteen. Right. I mean, that's. I feel like every game they sort of chalk them up for fifteen to twenty, and uh, you know, yeah. hope for the best that they're not coming late in the game. I know there's like one like picket like 
looked like he was like, you know, Adrian Peterson just like running over a guy. Um, <laughs> you know what, though? Was... You know what, though? He has one of those every game. That one was definitely a charge. He's had a bunch, though, where he kind of – I feel like he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of being, you know, one of the one of the better seniors in the league where it's like, oh, man, he was in the bad end of a, you know, a block charge. But that one was – it's definitely uh definitely a charge. <laughs> yeah, that 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 one was uh that one was definitely a charge. Um I don't know, beyond that, I mean, I think I was you know kind of wearing rose-colored glasses uh for wow. for, for for this one. I mean, I, you know, like I said, it's not I mean, you know, like I said, there were some defensive lapses for sure. You mentioned Blair, you know, this wasn't his best game by any stretch. But, you know, I just kept Every time Seton Hall looked like they were on the verge, I mean, I guess I would say in the last two minutes, they were very loose with the ball. They were lucky that Seton Hall was kind of messing around like that, that play towards the end where the referees, I, I watching in real time, I was like the ref, when, when the uh, Seton Hall got the, stole the under, under a minute, they stole or, you know, got a turnover at the end of the court to bring it back and the guy could throw the rush pass all the way across the court. And you could tell the ref called it out of bounds or blew the whistle before the ball actually <laughs> the ball or a player was out of bounds. In any event, stuff like that was happening that, George, that Seton Hall wasn't taking advantage of. So I won't say Georgetown got lucky, but to some degree they got lucky that all their sort of miscues late uh, weren't overly costly. So that's you know something to note. But, you know, but like I said, but, oh, we didn't even talk about carries not one but two four-point plays. <laughs> I mean, that was um, – you know that that obviously that's incredibly rare. Well, Ben, uh, I have a whole I have a whole outline section for this. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I? Uh, I, I you know, we, we, this is this is what happens when we we didn't have a pre a, a pre show meeting. Um, you weren't but, at the production yeah. meeting. I thought my I thought the producer of Kente Corner was going to give you a call. Is that I gotta I gotta talk to him. We remember we used to do a show. We had a producer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, you, we used to have a producer. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so um, you know, whatever. Like I said, it, it's th- there's things to, to 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 note. Some of them are, are you know, maybe a little bit more than a quibble. But uh, you know, the the fact that they were able to constantly fend off, like you said, a pretty good Seton Hall team. Uh, you know, I think is a good. Uh, you know, to me that overrides kind of all the other stuff that you know it still exists, still some noticeable issues. But you know, they did what they had to do. Yeah, I really thought that. I thought the game was going to be pretty even. I think Georgetown's better than their record. I think Seton Hall, while they have a good group, a little light on guard right now with an injury. And I just I just put more stock in the fact that Seton Hall is so close to touching the finish line with making the tournament that that would kind of be enough. And I was wrong. And, you know, if you're a Georgetown fan listening to this, you got to be happy. I was wrong. And uh, so you threw me off there going to those things. Oh, I know. And I, I wanted to continue to talk about the turnovers. Okay. And I kind of asked this to Patrick. Well, no, I didn't kind of. I did ask Patrick the other day. And I knew he wouldn't like my 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 line of phrasing. I basically asked him something and said, look, you guys turn it over. Is it just a matter of trying to limit the bad turnovers? You know, I'm not trying to imply that some turnovers are good, but here's where I'm taking this. Okay, so you have 23 turnovers last game, 24 the game before. You've only had one game all season where you've had less than 10. Okay, is it less or fewer? Whatever. Anyway, 
So it's not like after a week of practice and watching film that they're going to come out and, you know, have a five turnover performance, right? Agreed? Correct. Okay. But let's say, like, let's just say, you know, you're going to have 15 turnovers. You're going to have 16. You want to be closer. You want to be closer to 15 than 20. But as long as they aren't the kind of turnovers that lead to fast break points, you can kind of survive it. That's just who you are. And let's go down to the stat sheet. Fast break. Seton Hall, 2 nothing. Georgetown had no fast break points. Points off turnovers. Seton Hall, 17. Georgetown, 11. So they're only minus six right there. I think if you can, like I said, you don't want to turn it over. Patrick didn't like my question. I get it. I get why. But if you can stay in the mix between five to eight, you know, points off turnovers, like stay within your opponent and you can limit the fast break opportunities. I think you just have to like, this is who you are. You're a team that turns it over. How do I win as a team that turns it over? Cause it's not like, like I said, they're not just going to wake up and against Connecticut have four turnovers. That's not happening. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, um, there are, there are turnovers and then there are turnovers. Yeah, and um, and yeah, they I guess to your point, they largely avoided the ones. I mean, like I said, late in the game, it felt like they were sort of committing some of those to a certain degree, and Seton Hall wasn't taking advantage of it. But yeah, I mean, they didn't. Whatever they did didn't lead to major problems on on the other end. What? A quick question: What's Georgetown's record at home at this point? Do we do we, is it, do we know that, or or maybe during this uh, run? I mean, I don't even know. Their record at home. I mean, every game is the same, dude. Like, I'll tell you. Their record well, the re- at home. I was just wondering because, like, obviously McDonough is not <laughs> is not like an up-the-code gym anymore. And I was like, I was watching the game. <laughs> and, like, you know, I'm picturing, you know what like, I mean? Tar- like, <laughs> I mean, it's like up-the-code, like, you know, from a health inspector perspective except for maybe those hot dogs <laughs> like, you like to eat at Kenner's. What are you but talking no, about? Like I'm saying like it's like it's not like like in terms of like what's going on in that arena like if you're the other team what's that lot what's that visiting locker room like it's got to be pretty dicey right relative to the rest of the uh, games you're, <laughs> you're at and like I guess my point is like I wonder if there's any if, there, if it's becoming any kind of an advantage for them because it's got to be weird conditions right for the opponent i mean i'm picturing like are you I mean, they were suggesting, losing earlier in the are you suggesting that like 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 the hot water doesn't work well i'm not even suggesting that the hot water doesn't work i'm just suggesting that like you know it's not exactly uh you know capital one arena locker room well you know sure sure i, I you know i what, mean though? i know that they were losing games earlier in the year i guess i'm just wondering now like we're getting deeper into the year you know, everybody's you know more a little more tired, a little more beat up from the season, and uh, you know maybe there's something to that. I, look, man, I'm uh, we're trying to figure out why why this turnaround's happening. I just you know just talking out loud here. I thought I thought we decided it was all uh, you know is belay belay. You know they they got themselves a legitimate third score, and it's kind of opened up things. Carey is you know taking a different role, and and then when you get games like this from Harris, like now now you're really cooking. Now you really got a stew. Or as you know, Patrick would say, "gumbo." Anyway, so I like to ask, when did you think the game was over? And if you've been watching Georgetown games for years, it's kind of dangerous to assume the game is over. But I mean, I wasn't thinking. I mean, <laughs> I, it, I mean, like I said, they were throwing the ball all over the 
Okay, okay. Look, I'm getting to a bigger point. Oh, sorry. So I wrote down that, you know, after Georgetown been up 12, then they were losing, and then you're thinking, oh, here we go. But nope, this is the post-pause Hoyas who are different. Carey hits three point, or I'm sorry, yeah, he hits a three pointer, becomes a four point play. Georgetown goes up 63 55. It was part of a 12 2 run. Uh, Mamu came down the next time and missed a dunk. You're thinking, okay, they've survived, but they didn't. Next thing you know, it's tied. Carey's second four point play with 430 left. It makes it 71 67. Hoyas, they were tied. They go up four. I decided at that moment, that I've just seen too many things. Two four-point plays in the span of basically a media timeout. Look, this game's over. Hoyas win. Did you did you wait until longer until you felt it sounds like you did. I mean, when they were up like seven with like two minutes to go or whatever it was, I mean, yeah. I, you know, like somewhere even before that, I was like, okay, I feel pretty good. But like I said, then they just sort of were being a bit loose with it and uh you know, obviously Seton Hall has, you know, some guys that can can do some things and, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, jokes aside, I felt pretty comfortable with Georgetown the last few minutes just by just general basketball sensibilities, kind of what you're saying. Um, you know, it felt like they were, you know, making the making the winning plays for the most part and weren't going to blow it. But, um, but, yes, but this being, <laughs> you know, like I said, when, when, when on that play where the ref blows the call, I mean, it was less than 10 seconds left, but, you know, still I was like, man, if Seton Hall comes down and scores right then, it could be, you know, a two-point game. So, a little nervous. Do we want to take some questions or do we want to – you know what? Let's talk about this. Oh, boy. Pickett. You know, last year when McClung, you know, announced he was, you know, testing the waters, I think I came on with you and Andrew, and I know Andrew is kind of – has a, he struggles a little bit with Pickett. I, at that point, I thought, you know, if you told me Pickett was testing the waters, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. I don't think McClung's a pro. You know, he's a good college player. He's been playing fine for Texas Tech. I, I've seen a little bit. But Pickett's the guy, when you look at him, you're like, uh, I could see that guy on a roster. So what do you think? I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't see it except for the fact that, like this, like Trey Morning keeps getting some attention from teams who, you know, I think we all kept waiting for Trey Morning to sort of have more of an impact during his time at Georgetown. Didn't quite happen, and he does have the bloodlines or whatever, but, like, based on what we saw from him and all that, you know, he if you didn't know his name, who was his name, you know, I I don't know that I'm thinking that somebody that's going to necessarily get a run. Pickett, like you said, you know, ever since he showed up here, and he's got sort of the Kevin Durant physique, again, not the player, just talking about the long arms and, and all that, that, yeah, he looks the part, absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned before the idea of guys who, who who improve over the course of the four years, and he's been doing that now lately. But there's a, but that, that's different than, like, improving enough to warrant sort of NBA attention. I guess I would just say that based on the, the body type, I, I've been watching the movie Moneyball a ton during the this last few months. Uh, such a good movie, and obviously, you know, the gist of the movie is that they, they revolution the Oakland A's revolutionized sort of the idea of how to scout players. That it was, you know, and and, and the way they explained that in part was they showed the old school time scouts who were talking about guys who have a great body type or like you know had a classic swing, but not a, but not actually based on like actual production or things. So Pickett, I think, falls into that category. Like in terms okay. of like he, he has the look for sure. 
then that may that may get him uh, that may get him some 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 love. And look, I mean Georgetown, you know they still got some games here. There's the Big East tournament. You know if he if he finishes strong, I it wouldn't stun me. I guess. I mean, like if I you know I don't know if there's an NBA summer league this year or we'll, we'll see. But like if there would be, I'm sure he would be on a G League or sorry a summer league team. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you. Like, I'm not trying to ask you right now and be like, Ben, is he going to be on an opening day roster? Yeah, you know, no, in he, November. He, I'm just. He always looks the part. Now he, like I said before, now he's actually playing it. So uh, that's positive. But yeah, I mean, his physical, like, like Javon Blair's been the better player, obviously, for four years. But I don't see Javon Blair sniffing the NBA. Just you know, well, there's more while. guys like that, right? There's more guys that are six four that can get streaky, you know, and. Javon's definitely become a better passer. And I think, you know, at the end of the game when they were struggling with turnovers, um, they put the ball in Javon's hand. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I don't think that's something we would have seen Patrick do. But yeah, yeah, I I just think, I just think that tonight was the version of him that you could see being a two-way guy or just being a G League guy. And, you know, we got to talk to him post-game was pretty cool. Like I said, there was three players. He came out last. And I just think his growth both on the court and when you talk to him, man, he just seems like such, such a grounded, I guess we call them kids. I know they're like 22, but you know, they're kids. He just seems, he seems to answer questions very honestly. He seems to think about it. You know, I don't think that you can steer him in a certain way, which I think a lot of the guys, I think Carrie's been like that as well, you know, and um, it's, he's become a very, from, from how he started, I think he's become a very, I don't, I don't know. Real is the kind of thing. Like even tonight he was asked about what he wanted to have his legacy whenever he ends. And he was just like, you know, I want people to know, you know, that, you know, good and bad, like, you know, I did my best and, you know, I want this program to get better. And I'm paraphrasing. I did not, after we spoke to him, I did not transcribe because, you know, I had to get going with you before I lost you to HBO max or whatever it is you were, you were watching. But I just think I'll say this. It's hard the program hasn't had a ton of success while he's been there. I think it's hard when you hear him to not want to root for the guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that and that's one of the things about all this, right? Like, uh, this is a separate category. And let me just soapbox this for a second. I didn't yeah. pay that much attention to what happened to Duke when that freshman decided to uh, uh, walk, you know, leave yeah. leave the team and, and and whatever. But like, you know, and I don't know every detail about what was happening there. But, like, the fact that anybody, adults, were calling him a quitter was beyond shameful. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know what, like I said, I don't know what's happening. And, look, obviously, we all, we sort of teach your, you teach kids, hey, look, when you, you know, when you come, part of the deal with sports is it's not just about the games itself. It's a, it's a way to, to sort of learn life works. And you're committing to something. You want to be part of something. But being part of it isn't just on a whim. You have to sort of stick it out. This is the deal. But this is also an incredibly weird year. I don't know what's going on with this kid's life or his family or anything with regards to COVID. But regardless of all that, for adults to come out and say he's a quitter and do it on national television is beyond ridiculous. So to your point that like somebody like Pickett seems like, you know, seems like a good kid. Uh, I have, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you know, we're not around them. And I haven't been going on those Zooms in any of the Zooms really. So, you know, it's kind of a bummer. I don't feel that connected to these guys, but like, you know, I, I don't doubt what you're saying. And I've seen it before. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they're young men going, trying to, this is an experience they're going to have in life. We talk about it. How, what's wrong with the program? When are they going to get back to the NCAA tournament? And that's important for those of us who are here all the time 
year in, year out. But, like, these are people's lives. These yeah. guys are actually doing stuff. So, yeah, kudos to him for, for getting better. Just because it's it's logical that a guy would get better over four years doesn't always happen. And uh, he's doing a good job, and it sounds like you said he's a thoughtful kid. So uh, kudos to, to him and, uh, you know, everybody else for, uh, for you know, improving. Uh, I mean, it would have been easy for Georgetown – to pack this year in. They were already terrible record. Then this, oh, yeah. then the pause hits. If you had told me when they came back, what happens the rest of the way, I'd have been like, well, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how many, you know, if there's an over under on number of, you know, 10 point plus losses coming up, but I would bet that versus what's happened. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, it was, like I said, it was one of Jamarco's better games. It wasn't just offense. It was defense. He had a big block late. Um, try to ask Patrick if he liked his defense or offense better. He said he liked both, which I totally get. You know, Jamarco asked him the same thing, and he he talked about his defense and all that stuff. So we have some good questions. We have some funny questions. You've obviously seen them since I tagged you on Twitter. Ben, I, I think you've probably seen this in that Ewing's referred to the team as a pot of gumbo. Then he is the chef, and he is trying to figure out the right ingredients. Um, have you seen this? I have not. Okay. So I haven't had gumbo recently, but when I when I think of this question we got from Florida Hoya, who John Hawks, he's on, he's on the podcast from time to time. He's a great contributor to Casual Hoya and Kente Corner. He asked this question, would you trust Patrick Ewing to transport an open pot of gumbo into the back seat of a car, and I'm picturing the scene from The Office where Kevin is bringing in the big pot of chili. Oh, that that may be the best cold opening in in the in the show history. Um, whenever I whenever that randomly comes on, uh, you know, a rerun or something, always excited for that moment. And yes, that is a great thought. And at, and to answer the question, absolutely not. Would not trust Patrick Ewing to deal with an open pot of gumbo in the back seat of a car. Well, no. I mean, I don't think I'd trust anybody, but there's no, a, right, there's, correct. I would not trust anybody, but there's some other factors like how full is the pot of gumbo because that's obviously a big factor into this. And I think that you know, Patrick, you know, we're around basketball players so much, you kind of get used to it. We haven't been around them this year, but you know, you sort of underestimate or maybe don't think about what it's like just to be a seven footer all the time, and like everything's kind of like more difficult and awkward. So. Sure. You know, if Patrick's trying to get this this open pot of gumbo into the backseat of, like, a Honda Accord, he almost has to, like, get on his knees to do it, you know? No, that's a good point. And it's like, I guess the thing <laughs> is, like, you're Patrick Ewing, right? You were in, you know, three national championship games. You were in the NBA finals. Like, you've experienced big stuff. Is he really going to take this responsibility of holding the gumbo in the backseat of a car? No. But, like, if I say to Bobby, you have to do this, like, for Bobby or, you know, or any of us, mere mortals like this is a big deal like i got it this i've been given this task this gumbo is everything this is beating villanova i gotta get this gumbo safely where it needs to go i'm really gonna focus i don't think patrick ewing is that worried about it. he's like are you serious I, I i i'm in the hall of fame i got a ring get out of here well i mean also i think he should have a driver okay and i don't think he should even be concerned if the gumbo spills because guess what it's not going to be a problem for him to eat at a really nice restaurant. Does, you know what I mean? Have, do you think Patrick Ewing's move is to get Ralph Dalton or Ed Spriggs to ultimately carry it? Yeah, probably, probably Dalton. I would think we'd have to ask Gene Smith what he thinks about that. So 
Good question. I haven't had dinner tonight because of the time of the game. Yeah, I'm now hungry. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, John. Um, I, I, I want to say our good friend Andrew, who has been snubbing the pod. And I've had some people message me on the side asking when he's going to come back. Andrew's always a beacon of either like really intense positivity or really intense negativity. Like there's kind of no in between. Either something's going to be the best of all time or the season's completely ruined and the program's going to go to the MIAC or something, you know, whatever. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. That's kind of the way. Quick question. Did you watch halftime? Oh, when um, someone referred to Georgetown as a blue blood. Right. But then John Rothstein comes in like with a haymaker and he's like, I guess you're referencing the 2007 final four and really going hard with that or something. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question as to what to make of it. uh, the, The term blue blood, but like, wait, what? Like, okay, Rothstein, like, you know, we, we're willing to sit here and be like, yeah, Georgetown's in a bit of a, a bit of a slump. It's gone on for too long with the two people on this podcast who talk about all the time, but let's not act like they're, um, you know, going to PX so, or something. So here, here's, okay, that's kind of putting us off on a tangent, but actually that's what's that's, encouraged that's, you. That's my role here. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. So. Georgia hasn't been ranked since the end of 2015 when they were in the tournament. Wow, is it really they, that long? That is crazy. Yeah. Time goes by fast sometimes, or slow. Depending on uh, if you're listening to Kente Corner, you probably have a take on that. But anyway, so if you go to um, the College Poll Archive and total appearances in the AP poll, this is kind of usually the way my brain processes this question. You go to total appearances in the AP poll from 1949 to date. Okay. Where do you think Georgetown is? Just guessing. Wait, say it again. What's the question? M- most appearances. To- total AP... appearances. Total appearances in the AP poll since it started oh, through now. And what what year did this start? 49. Oh, my God. So where and is Georgetown? For, for a long time, it was just a top 20. I, I mean, I, I don't even have a clue. Okay. Uh, I mean, so. I'll just tell you if you don't want to guess, that's fine. So there, well, I there's, mean, I just, I'll, I'll just say forty fifth, but I have no idea. That could be way low, way high. I have no idea. Seventeen. Oh, okay. So that's actually pretty good. In the past couple of years, Villanova, Ohio State, and Michigan have all passed Georgetown. So you know, if this question was asked, you know, six years ago, Georgetown would be closer to the top ten. But seventeen is pretty good because they basically weren't ranked from the start of the poll until you know the end of the 70s right, right so let me that, just that, that's what was throwing me because i was like oh man i know they weren't good until big john did anything so yeah so now so now let me go to a total appearances since 1980 from from 80 until now and keep in mind they haven't been ranked for the last six years that's you know what is it like 15 I don't know how many how many polls there are a year. Actually, I think it's closer to twenty. So that's a lot of polls that they haven't been ranked for. What do you think they are since nineteen eighty? Which I'm that that was the year um, Big John got them to the Elite Eight. They almost made their first Final Four. They lost to Iowa. I think you could go. You know, you could decide. Oh well, I think they really made it starting in seventy six. Whatever. I'm going to use nineteen eighty because guess what? Georgetown <laughs> Georgetown loves the nineteen eighties. So from nineteen eighty until now. Where do you think they that they rank in terms of AP top twenty five appearances? I'll go eighth. Yeah, close. They're ten, and my guess is if you did it through twenty fifteen, that you know they they might be eight. You know what I mean? Because they've really fallen the last couple of years. So 
the only schools ahead of them are Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, Arizona, Syracuse, Louisville, Michigan State, and UCLA. So while I'm not going to sit here and say Georgetown's a blue blood and if you don't agree with me, I hate you, but like in what I would consider the modern era of college basketball, 1980 till now, which is also right around the time we had the bird magic, you know, national championship game. I think we can all agree. It's kind of the modern era, sure. you know, Georgetown kind of is in that mix, right? Like that's not a crazy thing to say. No, I mean, it's, I mean, the, 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 the issue for Georgetown from the perception standpoint is that even when they were you know, towards the end of the, as we know, don't have to remind people here, but you know, their reputation took a hit because they were losing the Gulf Coast games and things like that. So the perception is, well, that was sort of bad. But again, you can't lose the two seed unless you win a bunch of games uh, to get there. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, when I heard that, my initial thought was, you know, screw you. That's a ridiculous comment. But I'm not the big of the – I mean, he Rothstein follows me on Twitter, and I've never met him before. So, you know, I, I like people to follow me on Twitter. So yeah, I'm not yeah. pack that. But um, – <laughs> what a ridiculous comment that is, but um, but yeah, I just was like, I was like, wow, that's just kind of ridiculous. And plus, it was like Ryan Holland said it. It'd be one thing if like it had been said said by I don't know, uh, announced Hollis Thompson or uh, Chris Wright, but it's not like Ryan. Does Ryan Hollis have ties to Georgetown? I'm unfamiliar with. No, but he's he's of that era that you know. Okay, so I just did it. So total appearances in the AP poll from 1980, which is what I just used. To 2015, which is the last time Georgetown made it, Georgetown's seventh in career. Like, so, or not career, but total appearances. So, like in that span, only Arizona, Syracuse, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, and Duke, they've got more appearances in that span than Louisville, than UCLA, than Indiana, than Connecticut, and then Michigan State, blah, blah, blah. All these, all these teams, right? So, again, you know, I think Blue Bud really is like four schools. You know what I mean? But, when you when you get past that, when you when you try and get to a top ten, you know, a top fifteen of, of schools in what I'm gonna consider the modern era of college basketball, Georgetown's still right there. Now, obviously, you know, at some point they're gonna have to get back in the poll, okay, to get, you know, to to be a part of it again. But I thought Rothstein was he took a shot at them and he's usually the guy on Twitter that's always like, you know, Johnny Nice guy and um right. I was surprised. I was a little surprised. Right. I mean, I guess I would say in, in sort of two, maybe to his point, you're using uh, a, a, me- a metric that while important and is a good staple, it's not how we always judge these things, right? We often judge how good, I mean, like Maryland is going through this right now as well. Mark Sturgeon okay. wins games, but they don't, they don't get anywhere yeah. in the tournament. So like that was the issue, right? That basically that's why JT3 got booted. They won yeah. games but didn't get anywhere in the tournament. And, you know, to his point about the 2007 Final Four or whatever the whatever it was, um, you know, it's been a minute since that happened and since they've had success. So to that end, there's some validity to the, the Georgetown being more off the radar than no, you're right. what what that is saying. Um, right. So I'll give you that, but you know, I mean, like, there's obviously different metrics. I mean, you know, I could go the other way, and you know, we could bring, yeah, whatever. We don't have to. I just. Like I said, for me, I come back to that way of looking at it because I feel like it does include regular season success, which I think should be counted because guess what? You can't have postseason success if you don't have regular season success. So that's why I like to use the AP total appearances metric as one of my bigger ways to measure something 
Um, but you know, we could argue about that for three hours or I could argue about it with someone else, but you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to come up with a way that I'm viewing it. So I don't think Georgetown's as far away from the blue bloods as people want to want to say, or, you know, maybe, uh, Rothstein, Rothstein wants to go. Okay. I was doing Twitter questions. I think we'll get to Andrews. You probably have it up too. getting a lot of, a lot of interactions here. I know you get a lot, but for me, this is like the prime I have time. Andrews right here if you want me to read it. Oh, I got it. Has this team already outperformed preseason expectations? Have your expectations for the Big East tournament changed? Thoughts on Bitcoin? Thoughts on Bitcoin are, you know, obviously you could go back in time and be like, oh, why didn't I put 100 bucks on this? You know, whatever. But I remember at the time thinking it was so weird, yet I really wish I had like a nerdy friend that had convinced me to get on a Bitcoin. To, to this minute, I still don't understand what happened. The, it took me for it took me a, a hard uh, it took me a minute there to figure out what was happening with the GameStop thing. Bitcoin, I don't really still get what's going on with this. So basically, um, it's good if you have it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I've seen the charts. I'm that that much. I'm, I'm aware of. Um, so to his point, has this team already outperformed preseason expectations? Uh, they were picked tenth. I, I would say absolutely. It's a it's a pretty low bar to be fair, right? To to outperform it. I mean, no, I'm sorry, right. they weren't picked tenth. They were picked eleventh. Right. I mean, so currently they're in tenth, though, right? I mean, I know their I know their record. They're they're way ahead of DePaul, and their record is much closer to the middle of the pack. So, um, to no, that end, they're. I I, I want to say, um, let's go to an updated version. I'm pretty uh, thought, sure that thought... they're. Oh, go ahead. They're ahead of Marquette and Butler now. So. You know, 11, 10, they're, they're eight, eight with a bullet. And, you know, unfortunately for them, some of the games that got postponed are looking pretty winnable. Like Providence and Marquette, not looking that great. And those are games they are probably not going to play. Like they've played one of the hardest Big East schedules. They've already played four, you know, two against Villanova, two against Creighton. They went one and three in those games. Okay. And, and you know, so they're one and three in those games. And then they're four and four against everyone else. I mean, I would say they've absolutely outperformed. Okay, yeah, no, I guess I, I guess I was looking at the standings wrong earlier or something. Uh, yeah, to to that end, yes, um, sure. I mean, like like with anything, um, when when you had me on the other day and they got they they had a bad had a bad game and I asked you because they had just won the previous two if that performance sort of wiped away how you felt about the previous games that you and Marcus and I think you guys both kind of said yes it did so I was just going to sort of say that if, if the season was slightly reversed we might maybe would be different but regardless that's not how this world works they're playing better now they have more wins than probably were imagined however that happened so sure that makes sense I think Marcus was pretty hard on them on that question I think I kind of tried to be Switzerland and said that if it goes another game then I'd be really disappointed but I don't think I was ready to completely rip it apart. But uh, I do remember that question. And um, since it's online, someone can listen and they can tell me that I'm, I'm making up what I said and I was harder. But I think I was more, I think I was more neutral. Uh, as far as thoughts and expectations for the Big East tournament, I think, honestly, man, they haven't won a game there in forever. You know, they look, you know, the last couple of years that they've gone there and lost, they've looked like a team that could win one game. So I don't know if my expectations have changed. I think Belay has really changed the dynamic of the team because it's given you kind of like guaranteed third score that you didn't have. 
and his energy and his defense and you know he's kind of he kind of just was a player that they didn't have but i think for the biggest tournament i know this might sound like loser talk but man just going up there and getting one win would be a big deal for this program right now uh for 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 sure and you know to the point of even if these guys are some of these guys are, are leaving um you know i mean there is still some um, you know some level of i i don't know if momentum carries over from year to year uh, but like you know just from the program perspective can't so hurt. I think that would help right it can't, can't hurt. hurt plus plus like you know everybody's excited about the people that are coming in so you know if if harris finishes year strong if uh you know wahab can do some things and now you're like oh okay well now you got two guys who maybe are starters and then you tack that on with what's coming in and you know kind of go from there so uh Sure. I mean, I think that's all good. I mean, I think just in general, to be fair, like for me, like I, I don't like, you know, I, I don't think this NFL season deserves an asterisk. I think it was pretty close to what we, what we expect. You know, this NBA season is kind of weird, but for the most part, I probably would say the same, even the bubble NBA bubble last year, you know, I don't think it was warranted a, a asterisk, even though it was, you know, an incredibly odd circumstance. College me, has been weird. Co- yeah, to me, this college basketball season feels like a big asterisk. I don't even know what to make of like any of it. I mean, you looked at, you saw the standings. I mean, Xavier has way less, fewer games than um, other teams, and yeah. you know, it's just it's just hard to fully grasp. I'm sure what's really going on with all these teams, the constant cancellations and all that. So, you know, I, I guess that's just maybe mentally I'm coming from. It's not to say they haven't exceeded expectations. It's just I have like no expectations for anything right now because of because of what's happening. Yeah, no, but I, I think you know, Ewing hasn't won a Big East tournament game yet. He's zero and three. They lost the last year of JT 3s tenure as coach. So they've lost four straight first round games, and not most of them have been on the the dreaded Wednesday night doubleheader, which now it's going to be a Wednesday triple header because Connecticut's in the league. So I'm sure they'll be playing on Wednesday unless they just win out, and I guess that's possible. But I think going up there and winning a game. And, you know, you can't win two until you win one. I don't know if you knew that. Just thanks for coming to my TED Talk. But just like last year, you know, Jagan didn't get a Big East tournament win. And for a guy that meant so much to the program and became such a fan favorite, he had a lot of great moments, great memories. He went two and two against Syracuse and got Villanova. You know, there's there's good parts. There's, there's a lot of good in what he did. But I'm sure he'd like to have a Big East tournament win. And now we're on to Pickett and Blair who are 0-3 in the Big East tournament. So I think it would be great for them. Again, they could possibly come back. We don't know if they'd be interested. I think them getting up to New York, it's obviously a big highlight. You know, no fans this year will be a little bit of a bummer and all that stuff. But I think it would be a big deal if they go up there and win a, win a game. And then look, if they win one game, you know, Georgetown's one of the... <laughs> they're playing some of the better basketball in the league right now. So they're not... It's not a team that, you know, it sounds, you know, cliche. Not a team you want to play... But I don't think that they are a team you want to play right now. So my expectations are just just get up there and try and get a win however you can. And it could mean a big deal for, for this year's group and for the guys that end up showing up next year. Um, prediction for next year's starting lineup, that's that's way too involved for this. We have we don't even know who's going to be on the team. Do you want to give, give a guess to the starting lineup, Ben? I do not. <laughs> I don't either. I think it'd be hard for Matumbo not to start, but then that gets complicated because if, you know, him and Wahab are both centers, where do you go from there? So I already got a headache with the first, the first position. So I'm going to go ahead and wait until the roster gets settled 
to try and make guesses as to that. Uh, freshman Akinjo or Dante Harris? Who would you rather build around? I mean, look, Dante Harris just had a great game. He's had a couple really good games. He came in as more of a project recruit, thrown into the lineup because Jalen Harris is dealing with a family issue that we hope he's doing well. I think Dante's had a better season than I expected him to have. Look, James Akinjo was the biggest freshman of the year. So this is not a slight towards Dante, but I think probably Akinjo. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, based on talent, yes. I mean, based on other factors, I don't know enough about the individual to to, to make a statement. But, like, yeah, based on talent, I I don't think there's – I think it's definitely Akinjo. I'll say this, Dante is obviously one of the better bright spots going forward, and he's certainly a player that looks like he'll be part of a successful team at some point, if not later this year, if they keep on, keep on, keeping on. I request, nay, demand a retrospective on Tim's magical 4-4 night at the line. This is from Hoya Propagandist. I guess I haven't been reading the people's names. I apologize for that. What was Ego F.A. from the line coming in? First of all, are you a little bit surprised, Ben, that Ewing in, that Ewing is going basically with always a traditional center on the court in 2021? Basically, when, when, when Wahab sits, he goes with Tim Ego F.A.? I guess I'm not surprised that Patrick Ewing is doing it. Yeah. I might be surprised in general when you see that happening, but I guess I'm not surprised Ewing is doing it. And, um, you know, also, I mean, it's not like, I'm not saying there's not other ways you could go, but, you know, just in terms of sheer numbers, I mean, George Chen doesn't have uh, tons of bodies, right? I mean, so. Okay, so Ego FA, obviously, when a seven-footer goes four for four from the line, that's that's a pretty good thing. He came into the season, he was four for six. So I was thinking that he might be like Chris Dudley. I'm dating myself with that reference. But, you know, Dudley, yeah. was, you know, from Yale, shot like 38% from the line. So Ego FA, you know, he came in four for six. You know, now he's now he's eight for ten for the year. What did he shoot last year? Even shot any free throws? Last year he shot fifty-seven percent. So yeah, a little, a little surprising, but you know he's apparently got a pretty good stroke. Yeah, did I exhaust um, all of our all of our questions? I might have, but uh, I wanted to ask you if we were covering this game, if it had been normal times. Let's just hypothetical. It's a normal situation. The world, everyone is going to games, and media are going to games. You're, you know, you're working for someone that's covering the Georgetown game. Would you have liked the five thirty Saturday night tip? Uh, I would not. Yeah, I mean, it kind of ruins you on both ends of the day because, I mean, if you have to write afterwards, then you're, you're well, eh, I don't know. It depends. I mean, you have to write after you're probably getting done right around now, um, give or take, if you're focused and weren't messing around like you and I normally did. Um, I'll so say I this. guess in theory I mean, you could go out, but. It's obviously rare because Georgetown usually has to play at noon. Sometimes they get one thirty, but normally there's a Caps or a Wizards game, so they have to play early. That's just the situation of where they live. They do get these rare games. Obviously, McDonough's a different situation. Those constraints aren't involved this year. But if you're going to get a night game, I want it to be an actual night game because games at 5.30, that means I would have been rolling in there at like 3.30 to watch them shoot around to make sure no one was in like a walking boot or, you know, somebody was missing, that kind of stuff. That's usually what I get there early to do, um, which means I left my house at, like, I don't know, 2.45. So it kind of, like, it kind of cuts into your day. I like the early game because it's kind of, you're out of there, you know, by a certain time, maybe 4 o'clock. And then if you play at night, you've got, like, your whole day. So 
that's just the Bobby B outlook on tonight's game. I assume you were just watching the game at home. The uh, the Georgetown game. Yeah. I, I haven't left my house in three days, <laughs> and I basically have any. Yeah, I I I. It's not hard to track me down. You don't need to be the CIA to find me at this point. Well, I took a pregame nap, and for as much as I wanted to take a nap, it took me a while to feel alive after my nap. And when I hear about the NBA life where, you know, they, they go to shoot around, they take a nap, they play. I don't know how they do that. I feel like total crap after a nap. Are you pro nap or are you on, are you on my team? You know, it's interesting. Like it, it, it sort of just depends on, it's a lot of factors. I, you know, do I just sort of fall into a nap or like, do I like was I worn out and that led to the nap or did like yeah you know some sort of just like apathy kick in and I just it felt like a nap can be it can be good or bad it really depends on the on the deal sometimes they're great but sometimes they're absolute hell uh it really just depends for me like when you know what what's the nature of the nap you know would like I said was I worn out or was I like you know reading uh you know, war and peace. And I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to work. I'd be surprised if you were reading things like war and peace very often in your free time. That's my point. I try to, I try to be a little more culture, try to go outside my, my, my norm. And all of a sudden I'm falling asleep. And then that's, that's a bad sleep. Yeah. Basically my kid, we try to get him to take a nap. It's better for him. It's better for us. And I was like, you know what? I'm taking a nap too. And just woke up feeling Feeling like it was not a good experience, and that's often, often my experience. Ben, where where do you think? Uh, I'm completely going different here. Where's uh, Demarcus Cousins going to end up? You're like the third or fourth person that's asked me that. At least, but you're am the first person. Am I the huh? first person to ask it on a podcast today? Yes, you're also the first person to ask it not directly in relation to if he's coming to the Wizards. No, uh, that that does nothing for them. That's stupid. Um, why would they want? Why would they want him? Like, what what does that do for them? Well, it's just because it's been instinctive for all the time that John Wall was here. Yeah, but he's not. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm saying it's just, it's just people got a habit to keep asking. Oh. Um. Well, it's basically like, do you think he'd help a good team? It just was on like the bottom scroll so much during the game, or maybe it was on my Twitter feed. I can't remember. Sorry, I just I wrote it down here after my nap conversation I wanted to have with you desperately. I wanted to see if you thought. I don't think he'd be a positive for the Nets or the Lakers. I haven't watched him enough to know kind of where he's at physically. It looks like Houston just wants to, to your funny question, to, to tie with you what you said a few minutes ago. It sounds like Houston wants to play smaller. Yeah, and, uh, and and therefore not him. So, but I still not like what level he's at. So, like there could be, you know, maybe there's teams out there who kind of need more size and are willing to take on a willing to take them on. I don't know. I always have NBA league pass because let's be honest, being forced into only Wizards, and I watch a ton of Wizards. I've worked a bunch of Wizards games this year. I'm not anti Wizards, but I like to have a little variety. I don't know. I didn't like Houston that much, but man, like Harden and Durant, and Durant's not even playing. And Kyrie, and more, most importantly for this podcast, Jeff Green's playing an important role on the Nets. I just become the biggest Nets fan, and I don't really think that he helps them at all. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I don't know where he goes. 
it just seems like a lot of people are like, oh, is he going to go to the Lakers? Is he going to go to the Nets? You know, it's like, why would those teams want him? I don't really understand why they would. Ben standing um, from The Athletic. I don't know if I've taken up too much of your time. I'd be willing to talk forever. That's basically all I got. I'm glad that when you came back, you made your comeback against Creighton the other day. It was a game worth never talking about. And I was thinking, man, you know, I don't want the people to think Ben is a jinx because you're not a jinx. You've been there for all the good times for the Hoyas. So I'm glad that they were able to get a very impressive win as you came back on the pod. Do you have anything else that I'm missing? I I, I do not. Um, did you ever see that show on H- the, the 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 show <laughs> The Jinx on it was HBO? I think. No. That was an uh, that was an amazing uh, uh, documentary uh, series. You should go watch that. That was great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You can you can uh, read my stuff on the Athletic. Uh, I've got my own podcast, Standard Room Only. A lot of football team, a lot of wizards, a lot of random. Uh, you can check that out, and um, that's it. Congrats to the Hoya people. It's obviously been a long, uh, hard road. I, if for nothing else, I hope Georgetown keeps finishing strong so people like Andrew can, like, feel positive about it because the last thing, you know, you know, assuming things don't go unbelievably well in the Big East tournament, there's no NCAAs again, you know, uh, the only way – I mean, people will be optimistic because the kids are coming in, but at the same time, you want it to be also off of what's happening here. So hopefully yeah. this can keep going, uh, if nothing else. Oh, Ben, I forgot. To, I don't know. They probably contacted you. I got this message from a site yesterday, Tally Site. Did you get something like that? Not that I know of. Okay. So I got this message from Tally Site. They are some sort of like an analytics and there's like betting involved and they have a bunch of people that are picking games they sent me a message asked if i want to do it and andrew already was signed up so i made my first tally site pick today i picked the over at the time when i picked the number was 141 and a half and i'm one to know on tally sites whatever tally site is i don't know yet i clicked on it they're like hey you know we're getting a lot of people to you know from different sites um i want to say like i saw like seth davis was giving they had like him listed. I don't know. I don't know what this is. But before we close out here, I wanted to, I might, I might not make another pick because, you know, I'm going to eventually get one wrong. That is how it works typically. But, you know, just stay, stay positive, you know, <laughs> keep, keep, keep it, keep it, keep it rolling. I felt pretty good about that. And as the day, you know, kept going, the line kept moving or, you know, the number for the over kept going up. So, I felt good that that was happening. I felt like that was that was going to be good for my. Wait, I, I so wait. You're talking about can you, you can bet on anything. Um. So they sent me a message. It's tally site on Twitter. Why does mean can you bet on the NBA? Yeah, I think so. But they so, they basically I, sent they sent me a message being like you know covering Georgetown like hey would you want to do this? Then I look and it's like they already have Andrew doing it. And I'm like well. You know, you guys already got Andrew, but okay, I'll do it too. But yes, I think I can make a pick for anything. I'm not totally sure. I just wanted to hype up that I have a winning record because I might never have a chance to say that again on Kente Corner. Well, well let me ask you this question since you're the official gambling expert now with a winning record. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the Wizards are starting a road trip. They're at Portland today. Now, the Wizards have today? won three in a row. Huh? Are they Are they playing right now? They're, uh, no, it's... Uh, soon in in a few minutes but not oh nice cool well so here's my question the wizards are at portland so the wizards are on a bit of a roll they won three in a row but you know they're still the wizards portland 
Now, they're missing C.J. McCollum and a couple other guys, but they've won six in a row, eight of ten. What do you think the spread is, Wizards at Portland in that scenario? And Portland uh, hasn't played in like three days, so they're well well. I think left. it's like six and a half or seven and a half, something like that. It's five? Uh. I, I don't know. This seems like an odd line, so I was just curious what an expert like yourself on the tally uh, thought. About what's, what's the over-under? Like two forty eight mil eight million. I don't know. Uh, uh, well, I mean that's that's kind of what you're looking for. Two forty two forty three. Yeah. So I think I was wrong. I think I said Seth Davis. So I'm looking at this thing. It's Andy Katz was on here. He's made a couple picks most recently. Oh, I guess he made a pick for tomorrow's Michigan Ohio State game. So I don't know what this thing is. Um, maybe it'll take off, and I'll just keep picking big fat winners. My guess is that's unlikely, but. I did go one and oh. I, I wasn't sure, like, you know, like I said, Georgetown was going to win or cover. Felt pretty good about that number. Got it. All right. We should go here because I think we're, we're way off the rails at this point. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I look forward hey, to you know what? Their next game. The jinx. Their next game is a nine o'clocker. So I might be coming back to you since I don't know many people that would come on Kente Corner at like 11 on a weeknight. So well, don't, we, we may have don't to be surprised. My con- we may have to renegotiate my contract for that one. Don't be surprised if I come if I come snoop if I if I come knocking on your door uh email wise on Monday or Tuesday morning. You might be uh might be coming back. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yes, you can find Kente Corner everywhere that you find your podcast. If you're listening, you obviously found us. Subscribe, rate, and if there's something I'm missing or something I'm not doing right, send me a message on Twitter. My DMs are open for Ben. This is Bobby. See you next time. <laughs>